Million Dollar Sundays are here to stay. Playing a $1 million tournament is now a regular thing with the Million Dollar Sundays. Coming on Sunday, August 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we're hosting a $1 million guaranteed No Limit Texas Hold'em Tournament, where the winner walks away with $200,000. This is our third million dollar tourney with more lined up in the future. You're going to love the Million Dollar Sundays Tournament with daily free rolls to win your seat for free, tons of satellites to qualify for a fraction of the cost, and free bank wires for the top nine finishers. Don't miss your chance to win part of the $1 million guaranteed. Qualify today for the Million Dollar Sundays Poker Tournament. AmericasCardRoom.com Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 38 on the OneOuter.com podcast with me, Barry Chalmers, and Alex Assassinato Fitzgerald. We are proudly sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com uh, as we say all the time, if you want 27% rate back, just click on one of the America's Card Room advertisements or logos, either in the podcast notes or on the banners on oneouter.com. That's all you need to do. Set up your account and you'll start to receive 27% rate back on your play. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash oneouter. Uh, it's quite funny with that. Just a, a quick side note, like the amount of spammers that try and add the Facebook group. Oh, it's yeah. like you, you, you need to change your strategy. It's like such and such a name, pretty girl picture, uh, member for member of Facebook for less than a month, and is member of like 385 groups. I mean, if you, <laughs> if, if, you think, if you think I'm if you think I'm going to accept you, then you're not. You know, that, that's you, all. That, I mean, but dude, didn't we learn when we were young? That's what hot girls like to do. They sit in their house and join Facebook groups for poker yeah. consultations. <laughs> I know. So, uh, yeah, Alex, how are you today? Customary, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm a little. Uh, today's my last day before I fly off uh, to the WPT, and by some oh. miracle, I don't seem to have as much. I, I'm sure if I wanted to, I could get, I could, uh, I could dig in and work, but I don't have much that's pressing, so I'm taking a bit of a relaxing day. But and I even got my, I got my maid here, so I don't even have to clean up after myself. Ha! Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was a bit to go way off on the maid there, but I'm going to leave that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so, um, what WPT is this then? I, I'm out the sort of poker schedule loop and stuff. You know, I, I don't know what's happening. I'll be honest with you, I am too. It's a WPT <laughs> Seminole Poker Open, I think is what they call it. And I mean, I, I've been making this joke. Okay, so like, I'm a, I, I'm so cheap. I looked up the hotel, right? And they were like, it's at the Hard Rock. And I love the Hard Rock. I stay at the Hard Rock a bunch, right? But they want $420 for a hotel room. And I was like, Yo, man, I'm way too cheap for that. And I did the math. I found, like, a four-star place, like, five miles away. And I was like, you know, and I did it through Hotwire so I could get a really cheap rate. And then uh, I was like, dude, I could tip my taxi driver 250% each way every day, and I'd still be saving 45 50%, right? <laughs> but then it occurred to me, okay, all right, I am uh, – it. We're the place where they're holding the WPT – is not is not exactly Fort Lauderdale, and Fort Lauderdale is known as not exactly being Miami, 
and I'm not exactly in the place that's not exactly Fort Lauderdale, which is not exact. So I'm like four times removed from civilization. So it's like, it, it should be a good time. I love to play cards, but it's kind of funny. Like this is only like my third WPT too, like, which is pretty weird being an American professional poker player, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I've never really played in the States that much. It's as bizarre as that is. So what's what's the buy in there? Is that five k, ten k? It's a it's a three point five k. It's a three point five k, but there's three starting days. So okay. uh, yeah, and there's a five. It's a five million guaranteed. And, and uh, is that like a re-entry thing or is yeah, it it's a re-entry. Day? It's a re-entry. Yeah, sure. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, there's three starting days. I could play. I will be firing three bullets if need be, but I think a lot of people at first I was like, well, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do a lot more like, uh, I, I'm not going to say specifically what I'm going to do, but I yeah. was like, <laughs> I'm going to sit and wait for aces. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going to sit and wait for aces, you know, but yeah. like I have some, no, I mean, I don't hold anything back from you guys. Like, let me, let, let me tell you what I do in live events. All right. Cause I can pick up who the regs are pretty quick. So it's all right. Um, like, I, I do a lot more, like, when it's a re-entry, I do a lot more, like, three-bet semi-bluffing and, like, very thin value bets. Because in a, like, let's say I have, like, one 10K, you know what I mean, buying. I, it, those bets, like, I really want to collect them, but, like, you know, if I go bust, like, that's it, you know what I mean? Like, and I only get one shot at it. If they let you re-enter, it's like, oh, okay, you know. So I can press a little, I, it's more like a cash game that way because you can reload and your chips don't like go up in value like uh they don't go up in value the less you have them nearly as much because if you go broke you can just rebuy so i i tend to like go for thinner value or whatever but i was thinking you know i bet there's going to be a lot of people doing the exact same thing so i, I i'm probably going to have to actually knit it up in a few spots versus you know super cool regs in their hoodies and their ray-bans or whatever and then uh the other thing with live events, and this is something I shouldn't give away too much, but like flop play, everybody calls, turn, everybody calls because they're suspicious river. If you're going to make them look stupid, they're not going to call like they're just live with everybody watching and they've been hyped up, especially satellite winners. And they told their wife or their girlfriend or their wife partner or whatever, like, uh, you know, I'm going to play this tournament or whatever. They do not want to be the guy who busted three, five hours in. So they're a little more careful on that river than they ought to be. So if you're going to – like if you ever watch Patrick and Tony's play an EPT, which I had the pleasure of doing for some minutes, uh, he, he fires that thir third barrel a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's that whole thing about not wanting to look like an idiot, really, isn't it? That's pretty much it, yeah. I mean, most and people... And Patrick Antonius doesn't care if he looks like an idiot, because he's still going to be a good-looking idiot. He's, he's still going to be an Adonis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell you, man. Like, I mean, this is something I want everybody... I cannot tell you how many times I've walked away from a poker table having the entire table laugh at me. Like, I cannot tell you. And I mean, like, that's not an exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. I mean, like, have had the entire table, like, what was he thinking you know, leaning over to other tables, get a load of this guy, or like, you can't believe what he blew, how many chips he blew up, or like, what could he have possibly been thinking? And then, you know, like one day, there's all these plays that like people are trying to, uh, 
get into and they have no experience with it. And I've been doing it for six years and I can tell you what works, what doesn't, because I wasn't afraid to look stupid. I mean, obviously I felt kind of stupid a lot of those times, but like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it, it, I, I, I don't know, maybe it, 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 this is something I've been working on. Perhaps I had just like contempt for poker players. I, I, I'm sure it's come through in this, podcast but like i really dig the fans and i really dig a lot of poker players but a lot of the guys who would be the type like to laugh at somebody in their face if they thought they were like playing bad those to me are just like complete losers like i if i see somebody do something ridiculous at a poker table i'm never gonna say anything i'm gonna if they're gonna ask me for advice i'm probably gonna give them something very basic until like we're away from the table if they ask me again you know, and it's like, so when I see somebody like laughing at somebody who's making a mistake, I just immediately in my mind, you become an amateur. Like, and that goes for somebody like Joe Hashem. Like, uh, I, I don't think Joe Hashem's a professional poker player. I don't care what he's won. He does not conduct himself in the way of a, he's done very, very, very well for himself. You know, I, I obviously he's a great poker player, but that does not make you a poker professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just these mannerisms and stuff. It's like yeah, and making fun of people. The, yeah, and he wins the WSOP, and then a couple of years later, it's like oh, one time, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird. Why does it happen to me all the time? Like, I'm yeah, so then, unlucky. Then there's like yeah, there's some guys who like have never won anything really big, but they're making the game lively everywhere they go. Like, uh, I mean. What the Soros, like uh, Peter Morris, like the dude I rap battle, like he plays poker professionally. And it's like every every friend I've ever had who sat at his table said it's like a party. He's always like making it fun for everybody. And like, you know, like an old lady will be like tanking versus him in a pod and he'll start freestyling to her. Like really, like, you know what I mean? But like real polite or whatever. And then everybody's laughing and they don't realize this guy's like, He's a nit, right? Like, he's a huge nit, but nobody realizes that. You know what I mean? That, to me, is more professional than anything. That makes people yeah. want to come in and play more. Yeah. It's, you just reminded me there of a story. I was in Vegas 2009, I think it was. And uh, this is just nuts. Um, I was absolutely, long story short, I was absolutely hammered on my own <laughs> on the strip. And I ended up in the Venetian. And I was drinking, it was when the, I think like the Poker Stars events were there, no, it was like a 5k or something, I can't remember what it yeah, was Yeah, the called. NAPT, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 they had that, and then I, I was just like walking from the bar, like going, right, I'm going to go somewhere, you know, now. And then I just saw like Joe Hashem and Victor Ramden walking with like their bags, like being escorted by security. And like, I was still a bit of a like, you know, fan, I was like, oh, like Joe, I was fucking wasted. <laughs> and I swear, I swear, like this big Scott, like they, he was so small, like compared to what I thought he'd be. And Victor Ramden, <laughs> I just like walked over and just like put my arm around him and Victor Ramden, and like uh, the security guy, like the security, it was like someone like leading them through the the, the floor to like the rooms and stuff. And they had like their badges. And I was like, ah, oh, Joe Asher, oh, come here, I get a picture, and show like. And there's this like picture of me like just completely <laughs> fucked. Yeah. Like Joe Hashem and Victor Ramden, like in my arms, and I'm just like, oh fucking hell! And I remember just saying like, oh good luck to you, buddy. I thought, oh he seemed a nice, you know, he seemed alright. I'm sure he's one of these guys like away from the table. He's you know nice to get. He's just one of these 
the competition just kind of goes to his head a bit. Yeah, and I mean, like, I mean, let, let's be honest. By my definition, Phil Hellmuth is not a professional player either. But like, I don't know. I think that he's done a lot. Like Phil Hellmuth does a lot to promote the game outside of it. I, I don't know. It's one one of those things. Like I'm, I, I've definitely flared up at the table, but it can't be like a normal thing. You know what I mean? That's just like. It makes this really – I'm not one of those guys who's like, you know, poker's a gentleman's game. Like, there's definitely, like – you can badger a guy. Like, you can, like, be – you know, like, there's a place for trash talking. I'm not – you know what I mean? I'm never going to be offended. You know, and I mean, like, every time at the table I expect a little bit of it. But, you know, you can't, like – I don't know. I It's just uncomfortable when those guys go off. You know what I mean? It's like – And then it usually kills the action at the table, right? And I guess I grew up with, like, you know, like, cash games and, like, having to play. You know, it didn't matter if you were getting your head stomped in. I had to smile and grit my teeth through it because, like, there were were times, like, I got cheated and, like, I couldn't say anything. Like, that did, you know, my school of thought is if you get hustled, you get beaten, like, I don't know, that was just something, you know, like father growing up in like gambling circles, my father in gambling circles and whatever. It's like getting hustled is getting beaten. It's not being, it's part of the, it's part of the terrain if you're going to play illegal poker games. And like, there were a few times I could tell, like, I, I just got hustled, right? And like, mm-hmm. I had to grit my teeth and be like, yo, I'll talk to y'all later. Because if I start talking crap, I'm not going to get invited to the other seven legit games. Like, uh, that I, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. It's like you you meet like like the Asian underworld or right, whatever, right? Like, and it's like this one game is bad. You figure out a few hours in. I can't leave it right away because it's rude. So I gotta sit there playing like two one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I can't play a hand because I can tell it's a hustle somewhere, right? <laughs> Something feels off. But the other seven games that the guys in this room run, you know, like are legit and they're cool people. And but like they're you know, their best friend runs this game. And if I start mouthing off here, like, you know, there, you, you know, there, there, there's some rules about inducting the white boy into their circles. And one of them is you can't be talking crap with the head honcho, you know what I mean? So it's like, so to go from that to like going to these like air conditioned, sanitized rooms where we're just completely safe and nothing could ever happen to you. And you can ask for armed security to walk you to your car if you so please. And then yeah. you have, you know, you have people like getting super angry and you have like jungle man, like throwing chips at people and stuff. I just, to me, it's really hard to understand. Yeah. When I think of a professional player, like I always think of someone like Barry Greenstein yeah. or, uh, or like Ted Forrest. They just like, they, they take beats so well. They're just like, yeah, okay. You know, they're gentlemen. They win with like style and they lose the same, you know, it's just. They've sort of seen it all. They never, like, rant. I've never seen them ranting and raving once, uh, like anyone, you know, like, on any coverage. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, like, Daniel Negreanu will rant at somebody, but, like, most of the time he's trying to keep it together, you know what I mean? And, like, to me, there's there's some place for some Negreanu, you know, uh, talking smack, you know what I mean? But he doesn't do it that often. But, yeah, like, Lewis, I was just uh, reading through Jared Tendler's book in preparation for this tournament, and, like, it was funny. He was like, you got to remember, like, the metal game's like an actual game. You know what I mean? And there's, like, it, you, I, every time I'm watching, like, my wife will turn on those cooking shows. 
I, th- I think all this cooking stuff is kind of weird, but okay. So she turns on the cooking shows, right? And they have like four people, and they got like six of the top chefs and restaurateurs in the world, right? And, you know, the guy like goes out runner-up, and I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is the, the time for the guy to walk up and be like, hey, you know, I just want to thank you all for the opportunity. I respect your decision. You know, uh, I wish you all the best of luck in the future. Y'all take care. It was a, you know, it was, it was a really fun time, right? Something yeah. like that, you know what I mean? It is part of the game, you know what I mean, to show them you're gracious in defeat. You're just gracious. And nine times out of ten, these guys go, oh, be stupid. Ugh. Like, yeah. it's like, dude, <laughs> this is a job interview. You're with six restaurateurs yeah. or what? However, I can't do the way they pronounce it on the super yuppie <laughs> places i was trying to do it as a joke but like i'm not sure if that came across but i'm like dude you know what i mean and when you're busting from a poker tournament you know you want to like move up in stakes at some point you're probably going to need an invite to something you might need a steak or you know there's going to be some time you're going to need help from someone in the poker world i don't care who you are you know what i mean like, unless yeah. you spike that main event, you're going to need it at some point. Even then, like, Chris Moneymaker won the main event. He still needed a lot of help from a lot of different people, you know. And, uh, oh, he got it. He's a nice dude. But, like, you know, if you're going out at tournaments, like, you know, scorching the earth on your way out, like, it's, it's not going to work out that well for you in the long yeah. run. Definitely, definitely. Um, okay, let's get into the questions. Um... Where are we? Let's start. Let's just go chronologically. That's, that's always the best. Yep. Uh, okay, this one is from Sky. And it's, Hi, Alex and Barry. I'm still loving the podcast. The unplanned and uncharted banter in the beginnings are always great. Oh, that's, that's good, that's to, good hear. to hear. We were, wor- we were uh, a little worried. <laughs> thanks for the answer to my previous question a few episodes ago. Here's a new one for you. Uh, what is up with the pot-sized donk bets on the flop that the opponents at the micros are making? I just don't know how to play against these other than calling or raising with the top of my range on boards that are good for me. I fall to these most of the time because my experience is that many times they're trying to look bluffy to get me to re-raise and these are mainly value bets. Sometimes they're semi-bluffs as well though. How can I counter or defend against this pot-sized donk bet strategy? Thank you. That's actually, it's really weird you bring that up because that's come up. That's a play, uh, there was a player by the name of Rec Rule. I would have never known this player. Did you ever hear of Rec Rule, Barry? No, he was no. A bit, he was a bit of a legend on 2 Plus 2 because he was a StarCraft player who went into poker. And like he would just write these accounts on 2 Plus 2 about how he tore up Soul, right? And like, yeah, I moved to Seoul and everybody was like, did you know Rec Rule? Did you know Rec Rule? And I'm like, no, I don't know. You know, I don't know this dude. Like, I mean, this is like, you know, do you live in New York City? Oh, hey, have you heard of Amit? Yeah, I've got a cousin there. You know him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, do you know how big this city is? Like, you know, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, one day I popped open one of his tables and like he played 25-50 and he played like this goofy game. And one of his plays he would do do is like snap lead the size of the pot, donk lead the size of the pot, right? And nobody really knew what to do with it, right? And I kind of, I looked at it and I was like, all right, you know, that's interesting. But, you know, back then I was a little dumber, so I didn't really look into it. 
And then around 2011, 2012, I start trying to like quantify every single thing I do in a poker tournament because I'm trying to like build the program that would eventually become Assassinato Coaching. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, and I'm looking at what bet size has to do. Every bet size has to do. And if you guys want a deeper uh, look into this, be sure to Google. It's called No Limit for a Reason, uh, Bluff Magazine. It's pr pretty much my... Uh, uh, it's pretty much my manifesto on this topic. And uh, one thing is, if you bet the size of the pie, it needs to work about 50% of the time. And if 50% of the time is not really that much, especially like in a cash game. If you lead out the size of the pie, and that's a sizable amount, you know, that's some real money dollars. And people are, uh, pe are going to be worried about it. If they're only continuing with like... Uh, uh, if they're only continuing with top pair or better, that means a lot of times they're folding 65, 68% of the time. So your profit is clearing profit. So uh, on top of each other, right? So like one of my best examples came up on like the King Do seven board, right? I would use this in like live cash. I would open a guy with three bet me and I learned really quickly. I cannot like flat, six six there if the guy's good right like it, it but this is back before like people were as loose as they were now right so i would flat the six six and the board would come king seven two and i would just the second it got out there i would sometimes have the chips in my hand to be like i'm ready for it like i would calculate the size of the pot put those chips in my hand slide in the call board would come out it'd be one of my better flops right king seven two or queens queen seven three or something like that something where it's like there's one high card and not really much going on for the guy and just slam out the donk lead the size of the pot and people get really confused but again this is an unpopular play and going back to the this it, it, going back to the beginning of the show a lot of people don't want to look stupid but if you do something stupid they're cool with letting it go you know what i mean and then uh so i would do it i get a lot of like oh man what, what is wrong with you and then like okay i got jacks but i have no idea what to do here i'm gonna muck which meant there's no chance they were defending enough there right like if they were three betting 11 percent, 12 percent in their hands they were like a really good player and they weren't going to defend with like uh they weren't even going to defend with a good second pair they were folding a good 20 percent more of the time and even if they were defending like let's say on that board they're defending like jacks queens and king x it's still not enough right so in this is now obviously as people have gotten looser this play has kind of not been as great as it used to be so now you need to be firing on the turn a little bit more so i tend to do it with the three flushes and three to a straights the combo backdoor draws that'll give me like a lot of cards on the turn that i can fire out again and uh i don't necessarily have to go to the size of the pot maybe like 75 80 percent in deeper stacks, so I know I can fire again on the turn. Uh, in the micro stakes, I tend to find it's like a decent hand that's kind of scared. Uh, that Now, that could be queens on a king-high board. Uh, that could be ace-king on a king-high board. It, it's uh, it Usually, though, he's just not like huffing, puffing, nothing. You know, it's usually a little something. So I tend to not fly at it. So I think your instinct of... Uh, uh, this dude's name was Sky, right? Yeah. I dated a chick named Sky, so that was... I'm not going to lie. I like my... 
my nerves kind of shot when he said, well, this is from Sky. I was like, uh-oh. Like, but, maybe maybe, it, maybe it's a girl. I don't know. I'm just assuming it's a guy. Yeah, I mean... Because well, yeah. we're a poker show, and I don't know if we've had a girl. No, so, you know, we're you sexist. Know uh, no, no, let's yeah. say it. We're sexist. <laughs> no, I mean, I do the thing. I call everybody man, right? And then once in a while in the chat on Twitch, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a woman. And it's like, oh, <laughs> my bad, you know? Like, But, yeah, it's... Uh, anyway, yeah, but... Uh, it, it, like, I, I got totally derailed there. Your instinct of, like, this is probably a little something, I think is right. Okay, okay. Maybe it is uh, a girl, uh, your ex. I hope not. I hope not. I was a... I was a I was quite the drinker back then. <laughs> so, I'm, I, I'm sure she... Get huh? in touch. Uh, let us know, Sky. Get in touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, and if you are that woman, I don't. Like, and yeah, <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, no, I was definitely, I don't think many of my exes have fond memories of me, man. Like, you you know, you're a drinker. You say a lot of stuff you shouldn't say. My, uh, what was it? Actually, it's funny we're talking about this. My, my wife was like, hey, this girl looks exactly like your ex. You know, bring up a picture of your ex. I'm like, kind of weird. Okay, but like I, I looked so you're up. Going to your, you're going to your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold up, hold up. It, yeah, yeah. It's right. Your your picture's behind this one, so it's easy. <laughs> but no, I like I went to my Facebook. And it's like this person has blocked you. And it's like now we were totally cool for three years. Now what in the world did I do this time? You know what I mean? Like because I think on the other show I talked about it too. It was like what was it? My other like. One of my other exes just got married, and I said, like, oh, I'm so, I'm so happy for you, you know, and I wasn't, like, being sarcastic. I was like, no, I'm so happy for you. You guys look so happy. It's like, snap, block, deleted on everything. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool, you know, as long as we're still adults. Like, yeah. Jesus. That's crazy. Uh, all right, the, ne the next question is from Seth. Uh, definitely a guy. What, what, what a guy's name, Seth. That, uh, um, yeah, anyway, Barry and Alex, Alex mentioned a few weeks ago about using a few mental coaches. And Barry, you had Jared Tendler on the show. What is the actual benefit? If you're feeling like shit, you just shouldn't play, right? I guess I just don't understand why poker players need therapists and I don't want to pay $300 an hour to find out. So Alex, <laughs> so Alex what is the dollar benefit of your mental coaches? I mean, incredible. Like, uh, there's nobody. Uh, Jared Tendler brings this up, in uh, uh, brings this up in his book. Sorry, I just got distracted because my dogs are doing their American Gladiator thing again. But like, hey, 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 come on, come on, guys, chill out, chill out. All right, cool. All right, didn't have to bring out the Catholic school ruler I got here. But all right, now, uh, no, I mean, I'll tell you guys. Like, I never invested in a mental coach, like ever. And like, when the mental game of poker came out, I bought it. But I was like, I was, I was, uh, I was arrogant. I read it. I didn't feel like I read it really quickly. And I was like, ah, this doesn't apply to me, right? And uh, I, I was like, I, because like I thought I don't tilt, right? I th because like I very rarely get angry, right? Like I have had people pull. Like, when I was a kid, you had to slow roll me or, like, make fun of my mother or something to get me, like, a little irate, right? And then, like, eventually, I just even got used to that, you know? Just people are going to say weird things all the time, especially, you know, in a game like poker where 
you know, a lot of people want to blame their circumstances on somebody else. The most active MTT coach in the world is a pretty convenient excuse. And it's like, if you were doing well in 2009, you're not doing well now. It's like, well, obviously it's this kid's fault because he's teaching all my secrets. So I had to get used to getting trash talked and all that. And eventually I got used to it and I didn't really tilt. So then I became, you know, I became a little arrogant. I was like, I don't, you know, I was just like, I don't think this could really teach me much of anything, right? And then uh, I, uh, at some point, you know, well, I, I could have really used, uh, at some point, like, I, uh, I got, sorry, it's kind of hard to talk about, but, like, I, I was, you know, when I got off drugs, like, I, I went on, like, 150K downswing because I just, I, 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 I didn't know how to play sober anymore. Like, as weird as that sounds, right? Like, I just, I did not know how to do it, right? I mean, I guess it would just be like taking steroids in baseball if you're so used to it, you know? It, and, like, it, a lot of these drugs are popular because they work, right? And it was like, maybe I couldn't think very clearly, but I was very calm and very emotionless when I played, when I did drugs. And then one day it was like all my problems, like, came screaming back at me, you know? And instead of, like, dealing with it, like, a lot of these mental coaches will just help you, like, sort your crap out, you know what I mean? I don't like therapy. I, uh, I've gone to, I, if there's somebody who needs ch uh, therapy for their childhood, it is me. And I've gone to, like, six or seven different therapists, and always after a couple sessions, I'm like, yo, you need a therapist, all right? Like, you are nuts. Like, you, I don't think you are helping me at all. And I've talked to... I've talked to a lot of psychologists, like, having played poker games, and I, I always go, like, one of my favorite questions to ask anybody in any profession is, like, what percentage of your, co I mean, not your, your colleagues, your competition, of the people in your field would you estimate are incompetent, right? And there's a lot of people, like, if you ask, like, computer engineers, you're not going to get a very high percentage, right? But if you ask psychologists, they'll always go 70 to 80%. Like 100% of the time, they'll sell you 70 to 80%. So realize a lot of these people are trying to like heal themselves through their work. So like, I'm not a big fan of the $300 an hour stuff either. But like, uh, for a guy like me, uh, sessions with Jared Tendler, I got a session with Jared Tendler right before my huge scoop score. And it was like, you know, and he, he was like some you know, his stuff was, like, some very practical, like, beat down, getting called out on my BS, you know what I mean? And just really finding out where my blind spots were in my mentality, you know? And yeah. uh, it, I work with a guy more regularly now because, uh, I mean, Jared Tendler is, like, the dude who works with the high-stakes guys, and there's a reason he's got that rep. He gets results. But I, I realized I needed a dude I could, like, talk to, like, on a weekly basis, more than a weekly basis. So I work with another guy named John Wood. And uh, John, John Wood is, like, really – I would not be – I almost made my third full-till major. Over the last two months, I started working with him two months ago. Right before the Twitch thing started, I started working with him, right? And, uh, like, I was not playing poker. And, like, this is – a lot of people, uh, something you said that really alarmed me, and Jared Tendler brings this up as well in his book, which was when you're not feeling well, you just don't play, right? Well, yeah, that's, 
that's really good when you're 19 years old and you want to play all the time because if you don't feel like playing, you probably really shouldn't play because it's going to take something very severe. Now once poker becomes your job, right, when you're playing poker at the beginning, uh, I, I'm, reading this book, I'm reading this book called, like, What Drives Us. And it, it, it's interesting because, like, when I started playing poker, like, I didn't really think of the money. I just wanted to be successful in something because I was so sick of hearing, you know, like, what a, you know, like, drugged out loser I was. You know what I mean? And then, like, I made money and I thought money would change my life and it didn't. You know what I mean? And I, I don't care who you are in poker, like, the, the short something they bring up in that book is like rewarding people for their work. Like if you pay a kid like to take the garbage out, right? Like you're never, ever going to be able to not pay him and have him take out the garbage ever again. Right. And like that $1 might work like right at the beginning, but it's going to take like a bigger hit. Like every time he, you know, every time he gets older and he starts like, ah, oh, maybe that dollar doesn't really mean much to me, you know? And it takes like a bigger hit each time. And you get to a point in poker, if you're just really looking for the extra, uh, like the, the financial rewards, like the next like, the next like bump, the next uh, like hit is going to be pretty high out there. You know what I mean? You're really likely not going to get it. So like turning it more into an intrinsic process is what you need. But if you just like, you know, if you kind of got into this for money, if you got into this for money, you're never going to make enough. Like, the amount of work I've put into becoming a professional poker player of my caliber, like, I probably could have been a CEO of any of the... I mean, I probably could be making... Like, this isn't an exaggeration. I could be making three times the money I'm making now if I'd stayed working in Arby's. Like, if I became, like, one of their district managers, for yeah. sure I would be making more. And with one quarter of the work, like with one, 25, 30% of the work. So if you get into this hoping for money, which let's be honest, that's why most people get into poker. At some point, you're going to be sorely, uh, you're going to be lacking the drive. And if just every time you're lacking the drive, you don't play, you're going to get to a point you don't play. And like, there's been the last like few years, and sorry, this is a bit of a longer answer because this is my greatest struggle right now. My largest problem in poker is the mental game like that is my like my technical game I would take on close to anybody on earth I would take on close to anybody on earth there are very few people that can educate me on anything when it comes to MTTs however the mental game is just such a big deal and there's a there's also an article on bluff if you uh write us at assassinato coaching just say hey could you uh assassinatocoachinggmail.com hey could you send me a link to that article uh, the mental coaching article go, go ahead and do that and we got a couple of them a few of them are private and I can put you in touch with my guy John Wood but like uh, I got to the point like the last couple of years I just didn't want to play like I just I wasn't into it you know what I mean I just every time I played poker like when I lost it still really hurt but when I made money it didn't really mean much to me because it was like the amount of working capital you need in this game is always so much, and I'd blown most of it. So most of the time when I was, like, making money, I was, like, recuperating, right? And, like, you know, when I first got on Twitch, people were like, man, you've played, like, 100 tournaments a month for the last three years. <laughs> That's, like, yeah. nothing, you know what I mean? They're like – and I was like, yeah, you know, I uh, 
I was starting Assassin Auto Coaching. I thought there was more money in this. That was the honest truth. But I also, like, I just couldn't get myself to a computer most days because I just wasn't into it. I wasn't feeling good about my game. And uh, essentially, like, uh, I started working with John Wood because I realized, you know, like, I, I got some lessons with Jared Tendler left, and I'm going to go back to him, like, when there's big changes, you know what I mean, just to get an overview of what he thinks. But, like, uh, with, with John Wood, it's more of a – he prices more for volume because he's, a, he, he's going for his master's in psychology. That's the other thing. A lot of these coaches, you've got to really check their credentials, see if they, like, have gone to an accredited uh, university – uh, make sure, like, if they're just, like, a coach, you know, at least see they've gone to, like, there are some schools of, like, just life coaching that, like, turn, you know, they turn out the specialists that, like, work with, like, Fortune 500 companies, and then there's, like, you know, uh, Joey in his grandma's basement who's, like, consulting <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, you gotta, you, you, and there's, like, uh, there's some people who, like, uh, I think that woman who just did the mental coaching book with Jonathan Little, I think she's got her PhD and she still goes by it as a coach. And I think like Alan Schoonmaker, the original like po poker mentality coach, right. Uh, with two plus two, I think he went by as a coach and I think he, uh, I, I think, I think he had, you know, like a PhD and then there's, you know, like Jared Tendler has got like his, uh, license to practice therapy. Uh, uh, my, uh, John Wood has his bachelor's, I believe, and he's going for his master's right now. And, uh, you know, and you can tell, like, when they, like, they know what they're doing, you know what I mean? And it's not, like, breathing techniques. It's not, you know, just visualize yourself winning. It's, like, a lot of things go into the mental game you don't realize, right? In my, yeah. in, like, a lot of poker players have, like, a tendency of, like, we got to keep things close to the vest, right? And, uh, so, you know, you have a fight with your girlfriend, which everybody, by the way, everybody does that. This is something I don't understand in Western culture where it's like, oh, you got into a fight with your spouse, you're Satan. It's like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that's everybody all the time. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you get into a fight with your significant other and then, you know, you don't want to play poker for a few days. That's a real problem. Those are all days you're not earning. You know what I mean? And like, if you work with like, somebody who's actually trained for thousands of hours on like, you know, solving these kinds of things. And it's like, you know, can show you your blind spots, kind of show you why you're being an idiot sometimes, or just say like, Hey, you know, this has worked really well in the last like 700 cases that were researched. Maybe it'll work well for you. It's kind of like getting a HUD. You get a lot of statistics on what works, what doesn't, you know, and then you start just correcting your life. And, a lot of things come into like the mental game, like your relationships, where you're living in the world. Are you paying too much in taxes and that's stressing you? Uh, like your diet, your exercise, balancing. My biggest thing is like trying to balance and like still play, uh, you know, like still trying to play like professional poker. You know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, just to give you an idea as to the results, I started working with, I already told you about Jared Tendler's, the Jared Tendler spike, but I started working with John Wood on a regular basis and that was two months ago. And this was, I was, I'll be honest with you, Barry, I was really scared to come back into like playing full time. Cause I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of like being out of the ring for a while. You know what I mean? It's like, 
in like, yeah, I did some exhibition matches in Latvia, but what does that matter? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. and like, you know, I was going back to like, I was going to play everything, uh, and I was going to Twitch stream it. You know what I mean? It was going to be this big deal with thousands of people watching. I mean, literally 50,000 people watching we've had now. And like, I was like, man, I was like pretty, you know, and I, I, you know, my, with, uh, John, we like walked through my mental schedule, my exercise, like when I wasn't expressing my frustration, like in my home life. And that was like building up in my game, you know, when I wasn't balancing things correctly and then like, you know, uh, exercise and all that other stuff. And then, uh, you know, also a lot of tuning. And then we've had, I almost made my third full tilt major final table, uh, on Sunday. I finished 15th, but I did, I finished second in an F tops second in the full tilt major. I finaled three final table, three, $320 tournaments, one a $50 tournament on ACR, one at 75 euro on iPoker. poker final table, the $50 rebuy multiple times, uh, final table to Benjamin. It's like, it just goes on. Like it literally goes on like that. So my first two months back, I'm up like 40,000, $50,000. All the sessions I've been on Twitch, my business is booming. And honestly, a big part of it was like working with John, you know what I mean? Like going and talking with him because like, nobody's going to get me on the technical thing, anything, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I went back to, I went back to, uh, I had, the largest losing session on Twitch history at one point, right? Like right at the beginning, right? I had a huge final table and right after that snapback lost 5k plus, right? I was like, hey man, like I don't, you know, I don't know what I did wrong or anything. And he was like, you know, give me, he was like, give me, give me a time where you felt totally engaged. You felt totally, well, you know, like whenever I, you're like commanding all these different things, you know? like the the crowd and you're trying to remember like all the words and everything and then like trying to get up to the dude and all that. Right. And he was like, well, you were excited about that because it was new, but like when this was something that was crazy to me, he was like, you're excited about that. Cause that's something new. Right. But like when you play poker, a lot of this stuff isn't new. And like, if you're just playing like 16 plus tables, right. None of this stuff is going to be new because you're just doing rope memorization then. It's like, you know, X equals Y do this, right? And you don't have much time to inject all these other factors that you – the way to get over this is to play less tables, inject more information, train yourself on things you're not picking up nearly as much and get into it the way you got into it when you were so present in that battle. And I was like – Dude, that is like one of the smartest things anybody has ever said to me. I was like, so I went, I broke it down. I went to six to 10 tables and then we got the F tops final table for 40 K or whatever the hell it was. 30 K 30, 35. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to big time anybody. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I literally don't know what it was. Right. But like, yeah, you, you know and I mean? We got the F tops final table, more three twenties, all that stuff. And it was like, you know, I was he was so right. I wasn't excited about poker because I was trying to make it this grind. Like when I was a kid, but the money didn't motivate me anymore. It was more the intrinsic reward from finding the situation. So yeah, it's like, I, 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 I know I went at on this like at length, but like, I'm a huge fan of like getting, getting your mental right. And especially like poker players have a real tendency to bury things. You know, so you got to get it up to the surface and deal with it and become a battle rapper. You get to scream at people and nothing bad happens to you. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, yeah, the, your internet connection was a little bit dodgy there, but it was. We, we, I got what you're saying, so hopefully the listeners. Uh, oh no! Kind of, no, no. Yeah, we nobody heard anything for the last. Few <laughs> no, I'm, joking, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah, you just basically spoke to the wall. There's your therapy. You know. <laughs> Uh, no, that's it's fine. It was just some of the odd word was coming, but no, I, I get what you're saying, and that that's my main point to you, Seth. With you know the way you said it was just just reading your question, it's kind of like you're a little bit dismissive of uh, mental coaching, and what I would say is, Jared Tendler came on the show. I interviewed him for his book a couple of times, and also Jared gave me uh, mental coaching as like for free at the time, which was an amazing gesture from him. And I think one of them I put up on the show as like a podcast to show people how uh, Jared would deal with people. And then I think I got another private session off him uh, from him as well. And I was playing a lot at the time. I was playing full time and, you know, like eight, nine, ten hours a day, sometimes more. And seven days a week. I wasn't having like any days off. And... Like Alex said, there was so much. Like, my girlfriend had come home, and if I had a shitty day, I wouldn't want to even, like, she'd come across and touch me, and it would send, like, a shiver down my spine. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? It was like It was like, you know, the last thing I wanted to do was, like, even speak to my girlfriend or interact with her. I was like, oh, like, don't touch, like, when I'm losing, or, like, just fucking stay away sort of thing. And it really started to become an issue. And um, my girlfriend never had a problem with me playing and going away and playing live for however long, or playing on the internet, you know, playing online for like 10 hours without even speaking to her. It was, it was never an issue. She never once bitched to me about like, you're playing too much poker, or she understood it's what I wanted to do at that time. But even like communicating with and separating it, and also like what Alex said, um, Jared Tendler, it's not about like, oh, you're playing shit, you shouldn't play. It's about if this is your job, how do you play even when you're shit? How do you make sure you only maybe play a C game rather than a fucking F. G game or a fucking <laughs> Z, you know? It's like in the middle of a session, you could be feeling great. The birds are on your shoulder. Mr. Bluebird's on my shoulder. You're whistling, <laughs> going along the street. And then you could be in a session and like beat after beat after beat when you're multi-tabling. All of a sudden, something happens or I don't know, you, you get a bad internet connection as well. You get a phone call that's shit or... And all of a sudden, you're in the middle of a Sunday where Alex, you know, someone like Alex has got so many thousand on the table. It's how do you go from there and at least limit the damage or play, you know, to the best of your ability, given this, recognizing, it's, it's sort of like self-awareness and recognizing you're not playing an A game. So how do I turn the ship around and just steady the ship out of like choppy water sort of thing? And then you've also got, well, you're at you feel like you're in your peak state, you're playing the best you can, how do you maintain that mentally? So a lot of people, when things are going well, that's when the doubt creeps into some people because they start yeah. going, I'm just waiting on this, I'll fall in, falling apart. And I know like myself, with that other areas in my yeah. personal life, and Alex as well, like even myself, like I said, I remember like being completely broke and then rebuilding and having money again and then thinking, something's going to happen here so this mm-hmm. fucks up, you know? And you just like it's it's it is a battle and nobody's exempt from it. I mean, look at Tiger Woods to use the golf thing because I know Jared Tendler is a big golfer himself, and he also I think coaches golfers and that as well because again it's all all sports except related mental fitness. 
Um, look at Tiger Woods now. Like a lot of that's technical from his injury and his surgeries and things like that. But you're not telling me that like a huge percentage of that is mental. In yeah, that he's all, the, the all these personal life problems, he's not the same. It's like he gets on. He had this like the Masters there. He finished like six under. People were saying, oh, that's good for him. You know, I'm glad he didn't embarrass himself or us or anything. This is talking about a guy that dominated golf completely to the point where other people would just turn up playing for second and accept that. They knew he would win everything. And to go from that indestructible robot that he was to, like, someone that's, like, you're watching every shot he makes going, this is going in the trees or this is going to miss the green by my, you know, like... Some of it, I mean, he shot over an 80 this year at one point, which is just frightening for him. So even the best, you know, you need coaching and mental, uh, you know, guidance and how you deal with it. It's not all about like, oh, I'm feeling shit, don't play. It's about what do you do when mid-session you start questioning yourself or you're feeling shit or you get a beat, how do you handle that? Uh, When you're tilting, you don't realize it. Um, work-life balance as well. That's a mental aspect. How do you balance this out in your mind that you're fine to then, so that when you're at the table, you don't feel guilty about just playing huge monster sessions and that. So I would definitely say mental coaching is something that anyone at any level could benefit from. But like Alex said, if you're playing micro stakes, then don't go and pay $300 for an hour coaching. I mean, you know, it's silly. It's silly. I mean, but if you're a mid-stakes grinder, then definitely get get one session and then go back. Use Read Jared's books. Uh, get a session with someone like Jared Tendler or Alex's coach that he's mentioning, uh, John Wood, or s- someone else. You know, Go out, do your own research, and get like a, a session. And then there's nothing stopping you trying uh, then try and adapt that into the game and lo- learn these principles. And then come back in a few months and go, right, I want another session to discuss these principles. Like you can do with poker coaching. I mean, this this notion that everybody goes, like Alex, what are you in hour now? Six grand. No, I'm joking. $210. Right, $210. I remember back in the day, it was 150 Um, So it was like, what you got to do is, right, you get it in your head. Oh, I need, I, I need to at least once a week. So, right, I'm $600 a month. Like, no, I mean... Alex completely helped me and changed my game from like two or three sessions, and then I think I came back and got an no set up a podcast and then basically got it for free. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Uh, Alex, like you know, the first I remember coming off the first lesson with yourself and thinking, "Holy shit!" Like that is you know I've been looking at this completely different and with a, I wasn't even playing with a HUD before Alex gave me a lesson. It was crazy and. Um, you know, then who's to say you don't have to do it every week? You can get yeah. a couple of lessons, couple of lessons, put it to work, study on your own, grind for a few months, and then come back and go right. I've applied this, but I'm still having problems with this or whatever. This notion that like oh I'm three hundred dollars a week mental coaching is bullshit. It's like you, you go when you feel like you need it, but definitely don't dismiss it. I think I think it definitely it's all about edges of we as we've spoke about many times and. It's that extra little percent. If there's people you're playing against that aren't looking at that and aren't getting mental coaching or even even being aware of it, then you've got a little edge there. You know, even if they're technically better than you, you can definitely get an edge on them. So I, I definitely think it's worthwhile, regardless of what your level is. And uh, something I forgot to mention: uh, I've sent some guys to John 
And, like, it, John's, like, 125 an hour. Like, typically, and by the way, like, worth it. Like, I've invested thousands in mental coaching. And, I mean, like, there's not a PGA golfer who doesn't have a mental coach, right? And poker is actually kind of more intense, the mental side, because Tiger yeah. never hits the best drive of his career and then has, like, a gopher run away with the ball to the other side of the course, and he can no longer play the tournament because that's his only ball, you know what I mean? Like, whereas in poker, things about that ridiculous will happen to you, you know? And uh, uh, he, uh, I've been sending guys to John Wood, though, and it's been, like, he, he works with them, you know what I mean? He's, I, I, you know, it's like $100, I think, sometimes... You know, people can't afford that. He goes cheaper because, like, the dude just enjoys what he does, right? And something I was going to bring up is, like, when I do poker lessons, my goal is you do not have to come back to me for a very long time because I have a thousand clients and I don't need you all coming every week because that would – then I couldn't keep up, you know what I mean? If you're going to pay me $200 an hour, I have to get you up to snuff, you know what I mean? And uh, there, I, my poodle is talking crap. I don't know if you it's can. It's because it's, it's we're literally at fifty nine minutes. It's literally seconds. Jesus. Yeah, it's so weird, man. He's it's, like, it's every time on the hour. Seriously, you know, I, like, you know, was, uh, there's this big dog that always walks around the neighborhood, and when he see when my dog sees him, you know, from his like gilded. Uh, house, he starts barking at him. I got tired of him one day, so I opened the front to, front door. I was like, talk to him, right? And he just, not a peep, you know, walked right <laughs> back into the house like I'm not even joking. But yeah, something I was going to say is like, I mean, just the difference between poker coaching and metal coaching. With my poker coaching, my goal is nobody has ever paid me $210 and then said, I want my money back. It has never happened. We have had guys buy packages and then not be able to finish them out. Or, you know what I mean? Or felt like after three hours they were getting the gist and they, you know, obviously didn't want to spend another seven hours just to perfect it. But, like, we've never had anyone pay for one lesson and be like, that was a waste of time. Because my goal is to completely, like, it's like a car to, it, like, it's like, I consider my goal is, like, my job is, like, being a car mechanic. If you have to keep coming back to me, I'm really bad at my job. You know what I mean? Yeah. The goal is to get your car going really well until the next, in a couple years, you know what I mean, you come back, right? And then obviously if you give me more time, I can do way, way more. But the goal is to do like one. But with the mental coaching thing, like that's one thing I really liked about John is he priced, you know, I worked with Jared and I loved it, but like Jared works with like, the the high stakes guys, you know what I mean? And like, I'll be honest, I don't have their money. You know what I mean? I was like, dude, like when I'm out of the WPT, I need to talk to someone because I'm probably getting, you know, like uh, I'm probably, I mean like running a business and playing poker, you get irate about a lot of different things and then you got to go play, you know what I mean? And then, yeah. uh, you know, and he was like, yeah, Hey man, let me price it for you so we can do this. And we worked on a deal and like, man, it's just been like gangbusters. You know what I mean? It's been, it's been really cool. And the dude, one really cool thing about John is he plays like cash. Like he played, he plays, he played high stakes cash. And I don't know how much he'd like, he's not really forward about this, but like he would play like live, you know what I mean? And when you hear him describe a hand, he he's very modest and he's like, I'm learning, but it's very clear. It's a very like intelligent poker player. 
who's just beginning his journey. But like, if you break down some like poker terminology with him, he'll follow you. He'll catch it and be like, and then he'll see like where your BS is a lot better than, you know, you might, if you like, if you were just going to like, when I would like go to a therapist and it was like, you know, some woman, rabid feminist like staring across the table <laughs> from me she probably wouldn't get it nearly as much you know what i mean but yeah man i'm a i'm a big fan my career is back pretty much because of these guys you know what i mean and i'm i was just mentioning before we got it i'm rereading the mental game of poker and i'm like i'm getting more out of it than i did the first time and yeah by the way barry did a bunch of interviews with jared tendler be sure to check those out yeah, just you can get them on com, or if you're on iTunes, just search uh, back the episodes. As I say, there was a couple with them, and I'm sure one of them is like a session with me, like actually working as he would work with someone for like the first time. I'm sure I put that up as well. Um, okay, thanks for the question. Go out and get your head seen to, is basically <laughs> the. <laughs> no, cheers. Thanks for the question, Seth. Uh, next question. We're going to do it. Uh, this guy is putting a huge amount of effort for this question. Um, so we've got to run with this. It's from Garrick. And he's also sent in an update since saying, uh, thanks to the Ask Alex podcast, um, he got fourth in the Big 440 on Stars or something the other day. And he puts it down completely to the show. So yeah, uh, that so was he sent that, in, he sent that in after this uh, question. So here we go. Um, it's from Garrick, as I say, and he says, I'm about to turn 50, and I'm basically a winning fixed limit player, which I love to play. But I still haven't really found the same confidence trying to figure out the best bet sizing for any given situation for no limit yet after all these years. Everything has changed so many times since I was buying every poker book I could find 10 to 13 years ago. And it also seems very different between cash and tourney, so it confuses Confusion reigns for me. So um, April 5th, Sunday, the bigger 11, there are around 450 players left out of 17,351. <laughs> uh, just over 20k to first place. I have been playing pretty solid and only have uh, been unlucky a couple of times so far, but I've grinded my way to a decent position and well past the bubble. I have about 156k in chips, which is a bit better than the average of 115 Villain from Norway in the big blind is table chip leader with about 285k in chips, close to double my stack. So I'm waiting to read out the hand, Alex, right, if you uh, just right. get ready to, like, mentally. Uh, I have ace of spades, ace of clubs, under the gun, plus one. I open for 7,777. Oh, you're 50, but you're doing all these funky fucking bet sizes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't say you were 50 if I was playing against you online. Yeah, do the so, uh, <laughs> yeah I opened for uh, 7,777 just because I tried it two times earlier at this level with good results. Not quite 2.5 BB, but a little bit more than 2.2 BB. I usually open for with antis in play. Uh, two times uh, doesn't seem like enough to me when there are antis, but I think that Alex was usually only 2x in his opens on the final table, so maybe I'm wrong with that. All players fold to the big blind, and he thinks about it and then calls, so there's 20.4 in the pot. Okay. The flop, the flop is jack of hearts, seven of spades, nine of spades. The villain checks to me, I bet two-thirds pot, uh, 13k. 
okay. instead of the usual half pot, as I hope to maybe get uh, get out a gut shot. V- Villain thinks about it for a while, and then calls. 48k in the pot now. The turn is Ace of Hearts, Jack of Hearts, Seven of Spades, Nine of Spades, Ace of Hearts. Checks to me, I bet two-thirds pot again of 31.5k with 103k behind. He tanks, goes into time bank, and then calls. Pot's now 11, uh, 111,000. The river is the king of hearts. Jack, So the board is jack of hearts, seven of spades, nine of spades, ace of hearts, king of hearts. He waits a bit and then dunks 67.7k into me, a little less than two-thirds pot. I think about it and then decide to call, leaving me with about 36k. He shows me queen of hearts, nine of hearts, and I lose about 80% of my stack in that hand. Side note, the villain in his hand went on to finish 40th for... That, that's sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah don't, don't do that. Like, watch the villain all the way through the tournament. Um, <laughs> the best so one when they hang out in the chat. Yeah. Like, this guy sucks! <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. Uh, although I really felt the, the sting of that hit, I was determined to turn my remaining 11 big blinds into a good stack, but four hands later, ran my queen-queen into the small blinds king-king, and I'm out. Uh, I'm not saying this is a bad beat story. I truly want to know, is there anything I could or should have done nope. better once to either have lost less in the hand or possibly forced him out before he made his flush, or was I just destined to lose that hand? Was the board too dangerous for my two uh, third pot bets? I lost close to 8% of my stack. I just can't see folding to his riverbed. I'm only beating a bluff with a set of aces. I didn't think so at the time. If I was only uh, half pot in the flop, I'm just trying to... Sorry, yeah, Garrick. I, I, I caught to... it. I caught it. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 one thing, a uh, mental game that, like, I've been working on as well, with, well, mostly John lately, but also with Jared, is, like, when I play a pot profitably and, like... I lose, like, I have the tendency to go, well, I'm a failure, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those, like, you know, like, oh, man, I feel like I suck because I lost this pot, right? When, yeah. like, that's part of the mental game, too. It's just, like, I played the pot profitably, and, you know, you got to estimate variance. And in this case, it was pretty high. I mean, the guy went runner-runner on you. And, uh... It, I think he played the pot amazingly well. Like, in uh, the heart, this is why you got to study a lot in poker. Uh, with what I focused on was you got to be able to go, like, did I play the pot profitably? And then if you did, just go, well, that's, you know, that's the breaks. And uh, in this case, I thought you bet, your bet sizing was excellent on the flop because you knew a pretty wide range was going to call you there with all the draws and combo draws out there. And on the turn, you applied the same methodology. On the river, that could have just been $11 Norway spew, you know. Mm -hmm. So you went ahead and called. Like, you got to remember, in Norway, $11 does not buy you a beer. Like, this guy, you know, however much money is in first, there's a good chance this guy doesn't really care. You know, he's probably – you guys are still pretty far out right now. Like, if this were at the final table, I don't think you could even fold – on the river, but like certainly this far out, you know, like the guy, the guy could have just thought his two pair was the nuts, you know, or he could have just had a busted spade draw and he was like, okay, I'm going to all the time I call there and I see like a busted straight, straight draw, busted spade draw. 
You know what I mean? When the guy has a big hand, you just kind of have to laugh it off. That's all. You didn't do anything wrong. But as far as your uh, bet sizing conundrum, I'm really glad you brought that up. Because, uh, I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, I could teach you. This is how I could teach you chess, right? I could start with, okay, let's do king versus king versus pawn, right? And we're just going to work with these two pieces, you know, like what their what their relationship is, what, you know, let's read very simple boards, right? And then we'll make the boards just a little more complicated, but you'll always have these fundamentals. Or I could hand you, you know, 20 different chess books about openings and you could memorize 20,000 different pages and they're going to constantly be getting outdated. What we do in poker right now is the latter. Everybody gets a poker book, memorizes opening combinations. They're usually dated within a couple years. What you want to really focus on is the fundamentals. Read my article. It's called No Limit for a Reason. We brought it up earlier. Look it up on Bluff. But yeah, realize what each bet needs to accomplish and work with some hand range tools like Flopzilla. You can buy it through us. Go to twitch.tv slash the assassinato and like you can uh, buy it through us. And I think we can get you a discount on it. You know, don't quote me on that, but ch- check out the ad. I can't remember. But like uh, some of the programs I endorse, I can get you a discount. Some I can't. I think Flopzilla. No, we can with Flopzilla. But like, uh, it, you know, like. I just look at the ranges and be like, okay, if I'm betting half pot, it needs to work 33% of the time. If I'm betting the size of the pot, it needs to work 50% of the time. If I bet two times the size of the pot, it needs to work 66% of the time. Then start looking at different combinations of boards. Like when the four flush comes on the river and he was just calling you with pairs all the way down, how often does he have a flush on the river? When the four straight comes in, how often does he have the four straight? When there's a chop out there, how often should you be jamming, right? Because like, and then just focus, you know, and you don't have to get great at everything all the time. That's like what we were talking about at the beginning. Like that's like memorizing all the opening combinations. It's impossible, right? But you can get good at one at a time, right? Like when the board is ace high and dry, like I'll give you an example of how I broke one board down like to pieces. And like you can Google ace high and dry bluff, but it's like, on like the ace high board, like how often does the guy have this? How often does he check raise with this? You know, and just break down every possibility. And it looks really daunting at the beginning, but like this is how chess masters like approach problems and they get paid like 10,000, 20,000 a year. There's no reason a 50 year old gentleman could not be making way, way more than that. There's a lot of, you know, old timers in poker. It's not a physical sport i mean i know it does get pretty physical when you do the seven day tournaments but if you're going to be playing cash as well like that you know you can take breaks and whatever but like on the eight high and dry board it was like i essentially figured out like if i bet one third the pot it needs to work 25 percent of the time he's not going to have an ace like 40 to 50 60 percent of the time depending on he's never going to have an ace you know, less, uh, more than 50% of the time, even with the like tightest ranges, right? So the seabed is really profitable. And then if he check raises, what exactly is he check raising on this board? A lot of times it's not really much of anything because most people will not check raise their top pair. So could we three bet, right? And you just break it down board by board, what your bet size should mean and whatever. And then, yeah, in one day, like you'll play a tournament and you'll realize you prepared for all this stuff already. Everybody else is 
Uh, everybody else is like flustered in the final 50, but you did. The training should be hard. You should not be that flustered in that situation. If you're trying to incorporate a bunch of new tricks into your game at that time, that's, uh, that, that's not really a recipe for success. That's when things are going to go pretty poorly. Yeah. Yeah, he added at the end also. Uh, oh yeah, does your HUD work on iMac? I recently bought Poker Tracker just before I found out about your HUD. Oh, Thanks no. again, guys. Uh, bad news. It, I don't think it works on Mac. I don't think it works on. Uh, it only works with Holden Manager and No Caddy. It's pretty expensive. The Assassin Auto HUD. I'm not gonna lie. You have to have Holden Manager and No Caddy. But then it's like I've had no caddy for years and I didn't know how to use it, right? And it would just stack up all these notes in like random places. And the Assassin Auto HUD essentially puts them all in the right place in a HUD. And then it's like, I love this. It's like, okay, he C-bet the flop. When he C-bet 0 to 35% of the flop, what hands has he turned over? 35 to 55%, 55% or more, you know what I mean? There's a lot of times you see, oh, this guy bets – Going back into bet sizing, there's a lot of times you'll see a guy bets like two-thirds when he has nothing and one-third when he wants something to happen, and then you can just smash him, you know? And it's, like, it's really sick. But, like, that was always on no caddy, but, like, you know, like, I didn't know how to bring it up, and I studied it, and I still didn't know. And then, yeah, thanks to the programming wonders of the guy who built the Assassinato HUD, uh, we now can do that. So, yeah, go to assassinatohud.com. Cool. Well, that is the end of this show. Uh, that's all the questions we have time for today. Uh, don't forget to check this out on iTunes and subscribe there. And last week, you will have noticed there was no Ask Alex. We put up the my interview with the Devilfish from a few years ago, uh, considering you know he's no longer with us. And a lot of people shared that and liked that and listened to it again. And I've actually got to listen to it again myself because um, as I, we spoke about, I think, on the last show, I don't really do that, but I'm definitely going to listen to that one now again because I do remember it was fun at the time. So if you want to listen to that, grab it from oneouter.com or iTunes and the Jared Tendler episodes and all the other uh, interviews I've done with various other people are on there as well. Alex, how can people get in touch with you if they want lessons, etc.? Write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com if you guys want to get in touch with me about pretty much anything. We uh, We have a lot of guys like working uh, a lot, we get back to pretty much everybody and, uh, follow me on twitch.tv slash the assassinato. And, uh, sorry, I <coughs> was about to cough. And, uh, yeah, if you could favorite that channel that like every time I'm playing and pretty much every time I play MTTs, I put it up there and, uh, yeah, you can watch like all the high stakes action, watch these like big final tables and whatnot, watch these deep runs and, uh, it's all free. And if you go there, you can check out all the like little promos we got going on underneath the channel. And yeah, if anything like strikes your fancy, you know, like the money comes back into this podcast and what you know, all that other stuff, be sure to sign up for America's Card Room through the link below there so you can come play with me. And then, uh, yeah, be sure to follow PokerHeadRush.com. And uh, yeah, and if you haven't checked it out yet, go to twitch.tv slash The Assassinato. Go underneath. The one link you should be pressing is that rap battle. Help me get to 5,000 views because the amateur, for an amateur rap battle, getting 5,000 views is pretty sick. So, And I have a bit of a job interview coming up, and if I could go 
uh, to hopefully battle in some place a little more, a little more known. And uh, if, yeah, we have 5,000 views. You know, the cool thing about with Plan 9 was he didn't really have views for crap on any of his other videos. So I could go, look, these are all my people, you know, and you guys have come out in droves. And, yeah, if we can show, like, we got 5K views on an amateur video, you know, and they're aiming for, like, 10K, 20K, and they can bring 5K to the table, like, that looks pretty good for me. So, yeah, be sure to support and yeah, be sure to follow me on Twitter at the Assassinato. Thank you all for tuning in, man. Well, good luck at the WPT, Alex. And uh, next time we speak, hopefully you got some exciting news for us and updates and stuff. Yeah, I got some hardware next time for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, until the next time. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Million Dollar Sundays are here to stay. Playing a $1 million tournament is now a regular thing with the Million Dollar Sundays. Coming on Sunday, August 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we're hosting a $1 million guaranteed No Limit Texas Hold'em Tournament, where the winner walks away with $200,000. This is our third million dollar tourney with more lined up in the future. You're going to love the Million Dollar Sundays Tournament with daily free rolls to win your seat for free, Tons of satellites to qualify for a fraction of the cost and free bank wires for the top nine finishers. Don't miss your chance to win part of the $1 million guaranteed. Qualify today for the Million Dollar Sundays Poker Tournament. AmericasCardroom.com